0: Hello, and welcome to Fed Talks. I'm your host, EJ. Fsh. How's everything going? Ah, uh, big week. Big week. Man, I start undercutting myself early in the show. At 13 seconds, I have already contradicted something I said. Cool, I'm doing great. Uh, I hit my two weeks since my second vaccine, and I am now invulnerable, as I understand it. Uh, that's been exciting. I'll get into that a little more later, but I did get a normal haircut and beard trim for the first time in forever. Uh, I did get two haircuts during the pandemic because my hair got gross and I did not feel comfortable either time. But now I'm, look, I'm not going wild yet, uh, but I'm, I feel a little okay doing normal things. Um, uh, I went to a restaurant for the first time in almost 14 months. I'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, but I'm, you know, let's be reasonable here, people. Uh, but still, that was exciting. I look like a person again for the first time in more than a year. I can see my neck, uh, which means that once again, now Dracula's are a concern. Uh, you know, if it's not one thing, it's another. It's not a pandemic it's draculas um it's fun to call it, to refer to vampires as draculas and i know that's a popular thing to do now as a joke and i don't care it's funny i enjoy it uh start out with a little bit a little bit of tv talk uh my, my TV recommendation for the week if you have Peacock and I suspect you don't um, but if you do there is a there's a new comedy called Girls 5 Eva with the number 5 and it is uh it's produced by Tina Fey it's created by uh, uh, Meredith Scardino who is a, a writer on Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt so it's you know all in the Tina Fey factory it's about this this girl group from 1999 that uh that their their big hit from decades ago gets sampled in a rap song and they sort of have they try to make a comeback based on that and it's it's very funny it's uh here's <laughs> The casting is very good, but one of the one of the four women of the band is Paula Pell, who's wrote for SNL SNL forever. And she's on AP Bio now. And she is a solid 10 years older than any of the other women in the group. And and they just don't even address it. And that's very funny. She's 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 amazing. Uh she she played Ron Swanson's mother on on Parks and Rec in the event that you need uh some context um so that's i am a few episodes in that's very funny it's got that that Tina Fey style of a million jokes a minute uh and weird jokes too there's a whole thing about the second episode has a lot of uh, like a whole subplot about a piano that is only visible from certain angles. (laughs) It's a good show, guys. It's very good. Uh, I was going to talk about Invincible and the evil Superman trope, but uh, I have some mailbag questions and one of them touches on superheroes. I don't want to talk about superheroes too much, which is not true. That's sometimes all I want to talk about, but I'm trying to be... I'm trying to be reasonable here. Uh, the other TV talk. I'm, I'm trying to break up my recommendations, but I started rewatching The Leftovers, which is that HBO show from a few years ago. Uh, Damon Lindelof was the showrunner. It was about the uh, about a world where where two percent of the people all just disappeared at the same time. And then it picks up three years later, and it's just sort of about what the world is like after that and what's, you know, how people cope. And it is maybe my favorite show ever. Uh, it's it's kind of a toss-up uh, with Deadwood for favorite drama, Arrested Development, obviously favorite comedy. Uh I have not rewatched it since it ended, and part of that, uh, it is a show I wrote recaps for on on my old website. I will come back to the website later because, brother, I have news. Uh, but I've never gone back and watched a show that I recapped, even Lost, which sort of made my career as a person who's on the internet. I say career as if it's ever brought me any money. Uh, but. When it, when I recap a show, I spend so much time with it that it's hard to go back. So you know, lost or uh, and some of the shows I recap turned out to be terrible, and I don't miss them like Heroes. But you know, just I haven't gone back and watched Mad Men yet, and I really should. I loved Mad Men, just haven't gone back. Uh, one day I'll probably re- rewatch Gotham, but I'm gonna need a little little distance there. Uh, really, the only thing I've rewatched at all after recapping it is Venture Brothers. And that's that's just because, you know, little Venture Brothers goes down easy from time to time. But I haven't sat down like, binged it. It's just been a stray episode. Or, you know, it would be on Adult Swim at 2 a.m. when I couldn't sleep. And it's like, heck yeah, I'll watch Venture Brothers. But I'm rewatching The Leftovers. And watching it in 2021 is a bizarre experience because it it almost feels like it's a coronavirus allegory uh and and it isn't obviously because of how time is linear, but it sort of has that feel in it. it just sort of sort of colors everything and i I do think we're part of the leftovers is that so many of the characters are still in this this state of grief that's kind of unresolvable because. Something so massive happened that nobody can deal with it on their own terms, and I sort of feel like that's how we're going to be for a little while. I don't. I don't know. This is this. It's above my pay grade. But uh, the other thing that jumped out is there's this this cult called the Guilty Remnant, and they wear all white, and they don't speak, and they smoke cigarettes constantly, and mostly what they do is hassle people who lost somebody or try to disrupt events just by being there and being callous. Uh, You know, they'll hold up signs like uh, that say things like, your pain doesn't matter. And that seemed like such a wild idea when the show premiered in 2014, but after four years of, of Trump and MAGA and QAnon, like, the only thing that's unrealistic about The Guilty Remnant now is that they don't speak. Because, God knows, those people don't shut up, the real-world versions. But, like, they're, they're less terrible than what we've been living with. So, it, it's really quite something to go back to. Uh, I am reminded re-watching it, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not going to talk about The Leftovers the whole time. But it's my highest possible recommendation. However, the first season especially is incredibly bleak. And in the second scene of the first episode, a dog gets shot. It's, it's, it can be a little much. Like the first two episodes strike me as they are daring you to keep watching the show. Um, but it really becomes something, something weird and beautiful. And I, I, I love it. Like I said, might be my favorite TV show ever. So I'm rewatching it. I'm only a couple episodes in because I'm, just going to watch at most one episode a night. If I don't have time to watch an episode, I'm I'm not going to make myself stay up, but I, I don't want it to, to, you know, I don't want to spend whole evenings just rewatching it. I think it's better spaced out at least a little bit, but man, it's an amazing show and I'm really enjoying rewatching it. And like, it, tonally, it's obviously very different, but it's the same experience I had rewatching Arrested Development recently. Um, I haven't—I hadn't rewatched the the original series for quite a while, and I watched the pilot again uh, because uh, I had been talking with a friend about doing an Arrested Development rewatch podcast, which I still hope happens someday because I think that would be very fun. Uh, and then when uh, when Jessica Walter passed, I watched a bunch of episodes because she, she was so funny. And it was good to see Lucille Bluth being hilarious. And by the way, Arrested Development holds up real well. Like, it's, it's, and that pilot's just about, it's like the perfect comedy pilot. But I'll save that for, for, for my other show, which might or might not happen. But I had similar reaction—a similar reaction watching that as I did with the leftovers, which was, "Oh, my friends, they're back!" Like I cared about those characters so much, even though in both shows they're all kind of—they're all kind of jerks. Like they're mopey dicks on the on the leftovers, and on Arrested Development, they're—they're they're selfish buttholes for the most part. But obviously, I'm not referring to Buster. The, I love Buster. He's a sweet, sweet man. But in spite of that, it just felt like seeing old friends again and, you know, remembering how, like The Leftovers really does a good job of, I don't know what the plan was, like if some characters were always going to become important and uh, they just seeded them in gradually or if, like, the the actor clicked so hard that they had to become a major character. But seeing uh, uh, Nora Durst is not especially prominent in the first two episodes of The Leftovers. And she's, like, the, the series finale is called The Book of Nora. She's a huge character. And maybe my favorite actress in the world uh, plays her. And just seeing her brief appearance in the first episode, I almost teared up because... You know, I I just have so much emotional connection to to this this weird, weird show. And I spent so much time with it. There was a t- when the uh, first season, especially I don't know if they did it during the second season. I blocked it out. Uh, HBO was sending like with every episode they were sending stuff to prominent leftovers bloggers like they'd get like these gift boxes with, with just inscrutable items that wouldn't make sense until the new episode aired. Or you, they'd get like a, a special burner phone that would send them messages from the guilty remnant. Uh, and it was so cool. And I actively campaigned to be included on that list. It is frankly ridiculous that I was not considered a prominent leftovers blogger. Um, it was extremely... Extremely, that, that was one, the one time I really, uh, no, you know what? I had three, I had three campaigns where I wanted to be noticed for my TV writing work. Uh, one was on Lost. I wanted them to, at some point, call Ben Benry, which was my name for him on the site because he was introduced, uh, under the name Henry, and then he turned out to be Ben and I just combined them to Benry and called him that exclusively for four seasons. And I actively campaigned to get somebody, probably Sawyer, to call him Benry on the air. Uh, and then there was my, my thing where I just wanted to be a leftovers, uh, a prominent leftovers blogger. And I also really put out some feelers, uh, by which I mean I tweeted at uh, the production company a lot, where I just wanted to cameo on Gotham. I would have been happy being an extra. I just I just wanted to get, you know, you could have had the Scarecrow gas me and I'd be off screen in 2 seconds. I you know, would have been the happiest I've ever been. None of those things happened. Uh man, I can't remember if I said this on the podcast or not. Uh this is 25 episodes in and I can't remember everything I've said. And frankly, I'm out of things to say, so I will be repeating myself. Uh, my one possible moment of glory came on on Westworld in season two. Uh, because that was another show I, I recapped, and uh, Ed Harris's character didn't have a name in the first season. And so I called him Cheat Code Cowboy, because obviously he dressed like a cowboy, and... He kind of played like he was this, this tough guy, but he was terrorizing, you know, the Westworld hosts who were robots that were not allowed to harm him. So it was like he had cheat mode on. So he was the cheat code cowboy. But that's too long to type over and over, so I started calling him just CCC. And there is an episode in the second season where somebody knocks him out and puts him on a horse. And on the horse's haunches, there's a they're branded with three C's in a triangle, and obviously that would have seemed insane, but uh, the showrunner uh, or co-showrunner, I think, is how it's credited. Is uh, the co-showrunner of Westworld is is a woman named Lisa Joy, and she wrote a uh, a graphic novel a few years ago like a decade ago. And at the time that publisher was always sending me comps to review. And sometimes I would do interviews with the, with the creative teams. And I, not only did I review her book, I interviewed her before she was anybody. So she knew I existed at one point. So it's not out of the question that that could have been an EJ shout out. And I'm just going to go through life pretending that it might've been because honestly, it's the only thing I've ever achieved. I'll take it. Uh, I got badly off track, but my point is the leftovers is great. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about it because I went on social media and I asked for some uh, mailbag questions. And one of them's about the leftovers. Uh, I got several questions uh, and a lot of them were were my friend Tim. And I'm going to put those off until the next mail mailbag. Uh, and some of his questions were literally just him reminding me of things I liked, which was very funny. Like, hey, is there any questions I could answer?" And he just <laughs> he writes back ambush bug. I was like, yeah, I like ambush bug. Should I just talk about him? He's great. Henry Winkler did his voice. Uh, but he put his questions on Facebook, which are easier for me to go back and find than on Twitter. So I'm gonna do my Twitter questions today because I will forget them and not be able to find them again. Uh, the first question, the leftovers-based question, is uh, from from my friend Lenny, who used to have me on his podcast back in like 2013, 2012, which is weird because I remember us talking on an episode about how Joss Whedon treated the female stars of his shows And only now in 2021 is that sort of coming around and being like, "Hey, this there's a problem with this guy," and like I remember us all knowing it was a problem nine years ago. Uh, So I don't I don't know. Look, I'm not getting paid to talk about Joss Whedon. Uh, But uh, his question was my what was my favorite scene in The Leftovers, Uh, and. Boy, that's a tough question. That's 28 episodes of some glorious stuff. Uh, from a purely craft perspective, there is a scene in the second season with uh, with Carrie Coon and Regina King. And it's this long scene, and it's just them passive-aggressively confronting one another, and it becomes less passive as it goes. And those are like two of the best people at acting in the world and it is just it is just stunning to see uh, in terms of sheer craziness uh, almost anything from the sex boat episode in season three including the bit that earned one extra the credits uh, title of vigorous handjob guy Um. <laughs> that's that's my favorite credit ever. And the best thing about it is as soon as you see the credit, you know which guy it was. Um And there's there's so many weird, like they were so good at like the aftermath of violence. Like after the bomb goes off at the end of season two and everything's just in disarray, that's really good. But Maybe the thing I think the most about, and I don't want to really spoil anything, so I'm, I will not give any setup or context of this, but it's when the main character of the series, Kevin Garvey, pushes a little girl into a well. (laughs) (laughs) It's not as bad as it sounds, but it's also amazing to watch, and I think about it all the time. Also, later in that episode, he has to do karaoke, essentially to save his life. And he does, and he can't really sing, and it is tremendous. So, also, I'm sure I'll probably think of something else that was similarly wild and delightful. Uh, Almost anything from the, the, I think it was the second to last episode of the series, uh, The Most Powerful Man in the World and His Identical Twin Brother. That was, holy smokes, that was a scene that, that established that the President of the United States had a bunker that, in order to access it, it needed to read both his cornea and his penis. This is a non-safe-for-work episode. Man. Um, so, yeah, those are great. Uh, God, the leftovers is so good, you guys. It's so good, you have no idea. There's... Uh, and my cousin, my cousin Tom had a question where he, he posits a world where I'm in charge of both Marvel and DC movies, uh, movie schedules, and what three projects I'd green light from both. And honestly, I think it's great that both companies put me in charge at the same time. I feel like that's probably not strictly legal and certainly bad business, but honestly, if there's anybody who's ready for the job, it's me. Uh, so I had to think about this one a while, and, and Marvel's a little harder because virtually every marketable character has a movie or has a movie scheduled. I mean, honestly, the woman who won the Best Director Oscar like a week ago is doing Eternals later this year, and the Eternals are not great. <laughs> I'm sure the movie will be good, but they, on paper, it is it is a premise that is and no disrespect to the great Jack Kirby, but this was maybe his weakest creation. It's the main threat in the Eternals, and I don't know what the movie's even going to be. But in the in the comic, it's a giant armor wearing alien, like he's like 200 feet tall, and what he's going to do is stand motionless for 50 years while he contemplates his judgment of humanity. <laughs> And that's the threat they're worried about is some giant who will not move for 50 years. And Literally every issue is is an Eternal saying, oh, you know who can help us? This person. And then they go meet that person. And that person basically explains the plot of Chariot of the Gods to them and then recommends another person. And it repeats. And that's going to be a movie, so... Uh so but uh the setup took longer than I thought. Uh but my 3 marvel I would do uh uh Agents of Atlas which is a it's like all these 50s characters who kind of went away when they started doing superheroes. So they're like sort of they're like really off brand or sort of dated sci-fi sci-fi types, you know, there's Gorilla Man and the Human Robot and the Uranian uh, who I think was called Marvel Boy, and now they call him the Uranian because he's from Uranus. Yes, I know, that's hilarious. It was, it's just sort of this misbegotten hero group that, if they played it correctly, could be the next Guardians of the Galaxy. And they're also led by Jimmy Woo from WandaVision, so they've already set up Randall Park to to uh, take over, <laughs> lead a team with a gorilla and a robot and a fish lady. Uh, so i definitely do that. Uh, you know what? I'd do Daredevil. And I'd have uh, the guy who played him in the Netflix series play him. And maybe go a little lighter than the aggressively bleak uh, Netflix series could be. Which I think sort of works when you spread out a story over, over 12 episodes. But you don't really want an entire movie of Daredevil just being sad. But the guy who did played him did such a good job. And I think he's an important character. And I would like to see more Daredevil. Uh he's a blind ninja who's also a lawyer. It's great. And I'm reluctant to say my other one because it's what I would actually pitch if I had the chance, but I'm never gonna have the chance, so let's go go with it. Uh I don't know what character it would be, but in it's a like a very minor villain, like a Spider Man or Daredevil villain who, you know, participates in mostly petty crime and gets his ass kicked. And like and when 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 the Thanos snap happens and half the people disappear, like you know, they're they're fighting Daredevil at the moment it happens and Daredevil disappears and their parole officer disappears and the crime boss that they owe money to, which is what's making them stay in crime, disappears. And so he 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 just Quits and starts a new life and it's a little easier with everything in chaos to just set up a new identity and start over and he uses his old gimmicks and becomes changes his identity and becomes a like a not a great hero but sort of a hero for the people and with so many of the heroes having turned to dust uh, people just appreciate having somebody doing doing some good but then when everybody comes back and the world starts getting back to normal his whole his whole new thing's going to could fall apart and i think i think there's a lot you could do with that from you could either have it be sort of a scam or he could be genuinely repentant and uh he doesn't want to but you know everybody coming back sort of forces him back to his old ways i don't i haven't decided what character would work there um, if they wanted to shine into the movies, maybe uh, maybe Bokeem Woodbine's character from the first Spider-Man movie. But those would be my Marvel movies. Uh, they should start making them right now, please. Uh, as for DC, now, my obvious answer is three Batman movies, but I'm going to stay away from anyone who's been in a movie. Uh, the first one would probably be... You know what? I would do... Since the DC stuff has been so dark, I would do the Metal Men, which is a team of of robots, each made of a single metal. You know, gold or mercury or tin or platinum. Uh but I would do it as a as a computer animated uh movie, sort of like Marvel did with Big Hero Six, like just straight up aim it at kids because it's a it's a weird idea with friendly robots. It's very visually striking and funny, and I think it would uh do a lot towards sort of creating a new generation of viewers who maybe aren't ready to watch superman rip somebody's head off uh i would also do uh starman who is uh, the, the 90s version was a was a guy whose whose father had been sort of a like a seminal hero in the in the 40s and yeah i know the timeline doesn't quite work out it would take way too long to explain and he sort of reluctantly has to get into the family business. And it was like this amazing series, but it's also very 90s. But I, I think it would be interesting to reconfigure that as sort of a, a legacy hero in 2020. Uh, and what, what that kind of looks like, uh, you know, somebody who doesn't fully want to embrace having a cape and uh, all that nonsense, but he, he wants to help and then i would go with booster gold and blue beetle two of my favorite characters they are superheroes who are sometimes played for comedy and when they are it really works and i don't want to spend too much time into the specifics of them because that would be the theme of a different podcast that i've also discussed uh, but the premise for blue and gold is that they they show up at every DC movie just after the important stuff happens. Like I would do a montage of them showing up like at the end of suicide squad after they've turned the city back and go, okay, guys, we're, ah, damn it. Not again. And, uh, but along the way, they sort of become aware of a threat that nobody else will believe them because they've screwed up so many times in the past. So now they're the only ones who can face this, this sort of existential threat because nobody else is on their side. It's a buddy comedy. It'd be very fun. I would write that for free. Uh, Seth Myers is a Seth Myers and Bill Hader are actually big blue beetle booster gold fans. So either put them in the movie or have them write it instead of me. Cause they'd be better. Uh, so those are the movies I'd make. Um, I have many other thoughts on t v shows I'd make for d c but that would be a separate question and I've been on that a long time now uh so thing i i'm i'm kind of i'm kind of processing it i'm sort of sort of i went to a restaurant today uh i'm at like i said i'm at my two weeks fully vaccinated and i'm just trying to Like, I'm not going to sit and have people breathe directly in my face or anything. But I sort of want to get back to, if not exactly normal, at least approaching normal. And it has been, yeah, probably March 20, March or April of 2020 was the last time I would have been in a restaurant. Because they, like, we locked down fairly quickly, but we've unlocked down a couple of times Because I live in Michigan, and maybe you've seen the news, but we're crazy. I mean, I live in the state where on the first date of mask mandates, a security guard at Big Lots got shot in the face for turning somebody away for not wearing a mask. Like, guys, Michigan is Florida, and there is nothing I can do about it. But, uh... So, I just... I went. Uh, I also... As I mentioned before, I was not going to drink until uh, I could safely drink either at a bar or socially with friends. So I have had my first alcohol of the calendar year, save for a glass of wine in January. Uh, And let me tell you, I'm I'm kind of feeling it. And I had one and one half ciders. uh part of that is i've been I've been drinking my huge amounts of water every day, and I don't have a lot of room in my body for more liquid, so that's uh so yeah, I'm, I am a little rambly uh and some of that does have to do with me having had some you know had my first drink in forever. But it was, it was weird, and I don't quite know what I was expecting. But, like, it didn't feel great, but also it was not as, not as, I didn't feel as weird as I thought I would. Because, look, man, vaccinations are great. That's definitely, uh, you know, I wouldn't have considered it before yesterday frankly which is when i hit my two weeks but i don't know it feels it's weird and i went by myself so i didn't really have to talk to anybody except when i ordered and i know i ordered too loud because i don't remember how to how to interact directly with people um and it was weird because I went to a place that I used to go on an almost weekly basis because it's real near my house. And there were people there that, you know, that I used to see all the time. And I was kind of giving them a friendly wave, like, hey, glad to see you. And many of them did not remember me in the slightest. And well, yeah, it's been 14 months. <laughs> I see a limited amount of staff in my life. They see a huge number of customers. But, yeah, like I had just I'd sort of just blipped out for them, which you know, which feels felt kind of weird, um, I don't know, I think I need to be smarter and more insightful to fully process it, but the thing is, I have been saying uh, you know, when I would do stand up I had had a a routine sounds a little too grand for what I do, but I had some some stuff about how I make all my financial and health decisions based on the fact that I would only live to be 45 years old. And I started saying that when I was in my 20s and now that I am 45 years old, it is substantially less amusing. Um it's it's I I I'm on some level I'm actually worried about what I've uh brought into the world. Uh, like at this point now, I think just making it to 46 will be an achievement uh, simply because I've brought so much bad karma on myself. So I got to stick it out for another month. Uh, also, I have a birthday coming up and I just found out John Glazer is doing cameos. So uh, frankly, if everybody who... Every, if, Everybody who likes me pitches in a little bit. It could probably get me i a, a, uh... <laughs> I'm just actively asking for things now. That's not cool. But I do feel like if I bought enough cameos from John Glazer, I could simulate being friends with him. Um. So, yeah, I'm just... I don't know. I probably shouldn't have started... Talking about how I feel about going out again and hoping I didn't bring some sort of Boba of Duke situation onto myself by by with my stand up. Uh, and I have not seen the Boba Duke, so I don't know if that's what happens. I was going to say an it follows, but that's a different, I know enough about that to know it's a different situation. Uh, sorry, I'm a little drunk. Boy, it'll be fun for me to say that every week now, won't it? Everybody will enjoy that. So, yeah. I don't know. Basically, I've been thinking a lot about <laughs> making terrible jokes about dying young and then hitting the age that I specifically stated would be the age I would I would die. And it doesn't feel great. Uh, I do feel like I've made smarter health and financial decisions. In the last year or so, so look, let's let's get past this this uh, whatever creature I brought into the world. Uh, man, I'm sorry, I kind of trailed off there. I'm I'm thinking about some things, and I don't know how to think about them, and it probably means I shouldn't start talking about them because. I've already established I don't know what I'm saying or how to talk about things. So, what I'm going to do is go to an ad before I wrap up the show because that's a situation where I do know what I'm saying. Guys, teasedbysummer.com. Come on. The weather's getting nice. The t-shirts are great. Look, this is going to be an ad within an ad. By the time you hear this, my new website, com, should be live. Unless you listen to this, like, immediately. But let's say you listen to this by Sunday. Uh, it, sh- it should be up and ready to listen to, ready to listen to, ready to read. Uh, I've got a couple new posts ready. Uh, but that's just my... This, you'll see it. You'll see this this tremendous logo. And... and Uh, even if you don't like the website, you'd be like, oh, that's a great logo. I wish I could have that logo on my body. You can at teasedmysummer.com. My My friend Brad, who I often uh, make make jokes about him being a bully, he bought an A5 t-shirt. The man is a hero. He is also not a bully. He is is a nice man, and our relationship is such that it's fun to make jokes about him bullying me because he would enjoy that. But the point is, he bought an A5 shirt. He's a hero. My friend Tim, who's going to be happy that I talked about Blue Beetle in this episode, he bought an A-5 shirt. And my friend Colleen, she bought an A-5 shirt. Guys, there are A-5 shirts going out. And look, I mean, I don't even mean to say that's the only shirt. I'm not just trying to get you to get you to wear wear my logo, although if you do, I will be I will be so happy. But even if it's not mine, there's so many great shirts. Guys, they're so good. Uh you know, there's a whole bunch of I think you should leave shirts. Uh, I've really been been getting a lot of wear out of the Stanzo's Fedora one lately. That one is is just looks like perfect sixties uh fifties, sixties advertising. Uh that's a chunky still Formerly my favorite shirt ever, now uh, possibly beat out by the API because that's actually my website. But look, it's in second position, only losing out to another shirt uh, from the same designer. So I think we can still objectively say it's like the best of shirts. Uh, they're all great. It's not April anymore. You missed out on your free shipping. You know what? It doesn't matter. Like you gotta pay to get good. You gotta pay to get good stuff. Uh I know I'm making it sound like it's expensive. It's not. You just don't get free shipping anymore. Maybe there'll be free shipping again. Don't worry about it. Look, do something nice for yourself. Get a shirt. They're great. My friend Becky got one of the one of the shirts. Uh not an Hive shirt. She doesn't support my website. Uh she, instead she supports WandaVision, which is a reasonable decision to make. Uh, I couldn't believe how, how, how soft and nice the actual shirt was. Uh, she texted me. She put soft and nice in all caps. It's a good shirt. So like uh, the actual physical quality of the shirts is great. The designs are just immaculate. Uh, the Owner of the store, very nice. Look, you can't possibly go wrong. com. buy something, will you? I'm really pitching that as a slogan. Buy something, will you? <sighs> All right, I'm gonna wrap it up. I feel like I've, I, I, I did a bad job of talking about, uh talking about my my vaccination and trying to re-enter the world, which was sort of the whole point of, which I thought was going to be the point of the episode, and then I did a bad job of discussing it. So I will try to not have a point next time, and we'll just all have some fun with uh with with our good friends Blue Beetle and Booster Gold maybe. Um, still got those questions from Tim, and I feel like probably one of them was about Blue Beetle and Booster Gold. That guy loves them. So do I, and he's got an A pipe shirt. Come on, that guy's the best. Uh. Man, I wish I could go out on a high note, but I feel like I sort of peaked like 11 minutes into the episode and now it's just been, it's a stream of nonsense. I appreciate you listening. Have a good week. I'm going to talk some, I'll talk some more about TV shows and maybe I'll do something this week that'll warrant talking about. Uh, I'm starting to get to the point where I might have to do things just so I can talk about them. Which should lead me to take interesting risks. Uh, But also, let's be honest, it's not like I'm going to, not like I'm going to rappel down something. Uh, That's it. One of these days I'll learn how to end an episode. I'll see you guys next week. Be good out there. Get your, get your shot if you haven't. Be cool. Be cool like me. Go to a restaurant and feel feel vaguely uncomfortable the whole time. But also, you're out in the world. Try to remember how that felt. Yeah, get your shot. Buy a t-shirt. Check out the Ape Hive. Uh, definitely in a few days, if you're hearing this uh, on or after Monday, May 10th, then definitely there's going to be some stuff on there. Check it out. Hope you like it so much. You go and you buy an A5 shirt and like seven other shirts too, because you'll just be there and be like, hey, I might as well get a bunch of shirts. One for every day of the week. I'll see you guys next week. Bye. Fed Talks is a faux boys production. Wee, 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 wee.